same deal. Friend. I thought that too, yeah. I was wondering, are they both going to go in? Gore was invented in this movie. I apologize to Mary Shelley. You almost stole my thunder. I hate our audience, I guess, now. I was like, well, fucking God, I can't take it. Hello, and welcome to Max and Jason Watch a Movie. I'm Max. And I'm Jason. And tonight, we will be discussing The Son of Frankenstein from 1939, starring Basil Rathbone, Boris Karloff, Bella Lugosi, Lionel Atwill, Josephine Hutchinson, and Don. Donnie Dunnigan, directed and produced by Roland V. Lee. That's a new director. Uh, yes. 1939, four years of, of thereabouts after the last installment. New cast almost completely, except for Boris Karloff and I think the Burgermeister. Um, I think I think we got the Burgermeister from the first film, Returned. That's right. I, you know, I did notice that. That's right. Uh, I'm hoping, in my mind, I, I, I thought that there was like... The Burgermeister from the first film didn't do so well in his next election, got reelected <laughs> afterwards. That's what I figured. Yeah. But new team, um, do you have any production notes for us? Well, uh, I, I will say, um, I mean, they wouldn't have uh, brought him along anyway, but Colin Clive had died by this point. Okay. Uh, he died just a year or two after Bride. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, he died rather young. Universal Pictures had taken a bit of a break from monster films okay. uh, fr from the, the period in the early 30s in which they had this very successful series. And uh, this this film was intended to, to kind of restart the series. Listeners uh, who've been listening with us for a long time know that we've done uh, The Wolfman. The Wolfman was from 1941, and that was uh, kind of part of this resurrection of the, of the Universal monster films that begins with this movie. Okay. Okay, okay. Boris Karloff was brought back as the creature from the early days of pre-production. The idea, I mean, I think whether Colin Clive had, had, had died or not, the idea was to uh, create a film about the son of Frankenstein, yeah. the Dr. Frankenstein and I guess Elizabeth's son yeah. returning to uh, the village to, to claim his family inheritance, running into his father's creature. It, um, the script did go through some rewrites. Okay. Uh, I do know that in the early draft, it was more of a direct sequel to Bride of Frankenstein. Like okay. they even, like they, in the early drafts, they even mentioned people finding the, the corpses of Dr. Pretorius and the, the bride. Okay. But they didn't go with that. Uh, the, the, the script was uh, rewritten. And it almost acts more as a direct sequel to the original. You see, I mean, you know what I mean? Like there's no, yeah, there's, there's no real mention of, you know, the creature going away and coming back or, or, or the bride or Dr. Pretorius or anything thing like that no which makes some um, sense to me in some ways because that adventure uh the doctor folks if you don't know that go back and listen to the bride podcast but that adventure with the creation of the bride is almost something that nobody knows about true yeah elizabeth only elizabeth and henry know about that and i get the sense that they took a lot of that to their grave because by the time wolf frankenstein and his wife arrive to wolf this is all hearsay and legends that he thinks that people have blown out of proportion right because, and that 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 makes me think that maybe he didn't get his dad never set him down and said look son i fucked up <laughs> um he never got the full tale which is on which is in character for henry frankenstein i don't think that yes, he would, it is you know i don't think that he would ever admit to any of this yeah i agree and so anyway uh go on more production if you got any that's the main thing um um you know there was no james whale this time yeah 
Uh, but uh, Roland V. Lee, who directs this film, this was uh, an early universal picture for him, but he had already been, a, 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 I think, a pretty accomplished, uh, not necessarily director, but he had been uh, active in Hollywood going back to the silent era, and he would go on to have a pretty long career. So, Which is good. I think, you know, this is, you know, I think the most complex story of any of the Frankenstein films that we've seen so far that we've reviewed. <laughs> yes. This, this, this film has a lot of moving parts it has a it is it is almost a combination of different film genres there's a mystery there's a horror yeah. film and there's and it's a sign all wrapped up in a science fiction film you know yeah. it's got its hercule poirot yeah i don't want to get into my verdict too soon but it is a it is a, uh it is the most complex of our stories yeah um and so as you said we have wolf von frankenstein and his wife what's that woman's name uh, elsa uh, i wonder if that's a little nod to the actress who played yeah uh, who played uh folks right. we, we, we didn't even mention this in the last podcast i guess this is a little housekeeping the woman who plays mary shelley at the beginning of bride of frankenstein would don the wig and be the bride at the end of the movie in the credits of bride of frankenstein we get the full cast uh at the top of the list it says the creature dot 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 karloff he didn't even get a first name that's who you know he was karloff everybody knew who he was and then at the end of the credits there was a line on the on the card that says the bride dot 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 question mark it was the actress Elsa, Elsa Lanchester Elsa Lanchester Wolf and his wife Elsa return to the to his homeland and he's excited and as they're coming they're coming back on train this is something that I oh man listeners Jason I don't know if we've talked about this I long for the days of rail throughout Europe and Eurasia yeah. um, I'm saddened that we don't have the Orient Express and this train that they're on, I'm sure, went to all kinds of places that you couldn't go through today because of the balkanization of Europe, you know, and and the various war zones that are everywhere. But I miss the trains. But but anyway, Wolf and Elsa are traveling through Universal Studio lots to get back to their homeland in uh, you know their nice little village, their their homestead, Castle Lands, and and it's great. The rain is hitting the train, and they're excited. And I, I just love all of this intro stuff. Yeah, um, it, it, look, it looks really good. It looks really good. Basil Rathbone, oh, one of my father's favorite actors, is my father's favorite Sherlock Holmes. I think. Uh, yeah, is is the is the title character, and they just they both just chew through the scenery. I don't think we meet their son in this scene, but maybe we do. Maybe he's in there. I just don't remember him. But they have a little son, a little toddler who's who is he's good in the film. I don't want to say too many mean things about him, but there was a tendency in this time, almost all the way up into the seventies where if you had a kid who was below 12, they would have to be played in the most saccharine, disgustingly sweet way that was humanly possible. Yeah. They would always affect a younger age than they were and they would they would affect speech impediments. I just hate that whole idea, but it's not this actor, this, it's not this little kid's fault that they made him do that, you know? But anyway, I hate it. I let it slide every time it happens, but fucking God, I can't take it. Um, uh, Anything you want to say? Anything you want to add? Any pearls from the Jason? No, I, I, I mean, um, I, I think this film provides a very intriguing story because we have we have this person that even though he's a family member, he's coming to this village not knowing things that we know. Yes, and, and, and all and, and and all the villagers. 
villagers know? Because by this point, the villagers seem to have gotten a lot more of the story that they didn't have in Frankenstein and Bride. Right. While Wolf and his and Elsa and and their boy are traveling happily to the village, the villagers are like, "What is going? We don't want this guy coming because they know the dark history, the dark tragic history that this family has brought to the valley." And and Basil Rathbone plays this in his naivete. He he portrays the naivete of of uh, of the Baron so well because he expects to be welcomed with open arms yes and he's a bit confused when that doesn't happen yes yes he sort of is going back to redeem his father's legacy yeah in many ways and that's something he states of course the villagers know what the legacy actually is and that there's no redeeming it right and this is what wolf is coming to he arrives on a rainy day to greet the villagers and he opens with a a speech Mm -hmm. that is met with indifference if not contempt uh people are listening the town elders are very respectful you know they're not nice but they are respectful right. and they have a little talk before he gives a speech he's like well you know we can't we can't say we're happy to see you is basically what they say we'll yeah. welcome you because that's what our job is and that's what we that's what polite society dictates we do but we're not happy yeah. you're here yeah yeah and and he thinks and wolf thinks well i'll win them over with some of my words <laughs> and uh and he starts giving this speech and it's very earnest and 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 ridiculously naive and the and the town just disperses yeah. and he looks really crestfallen when that happens and but he does tell the elders well i hope to i hope to redeem them and, and give them a good reason to like to, to give them reason to think we're not as bad as they think i am as yeah. they think my family is right um take it away yeah i, I mean actually i i think basil rathbone is is uh is actually very likable yes in this role um a flawed character um, but i think he's likable too yeah they end up going to the castle first i believe i think so yeah and it, it is a castle isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. He's got a castle. If I, if I recall, because actually, if I recall, they lived in town and it was not a castle in, this in the first film. Okay. In the first film, it was not a castle. I don't, I mean, it's hard to say because, like, when you look at these old kinds of houses that the landed gentry had, I mean, they're almost indistinguishable from castles that you might find. In, I mean, a baron is kind of a, I don't know if it's a royal position, but it is certainly an important position of some No, no, that's right, that's right, that's right. Um, um And uh, this one is certainly it certainly seems more like a uh it's not it's not a prince's house you know but or, or a king or queen's house but it is it is somewhere in that you get the sense that he's somewhere in the chain of royal succession of this of this country you know um it's it's some kind of manner i think that he goes to vast estates he's got forests he's got you would you would not feel bad if you lived in this house is what i'm saying that's yeah. true it's true um, however they do or at least his wife is not real pleased with the kind of medieval setting that she's suddenly been been transported to. Yes. Well, yeah, because, I mean, you get the sense that they, they're coming from a modern city life, you know, yeah. a, a, a bustling 30s metropolis, you know, uh, full of technology and whatnot. But she she does put on a pretty game face for most of it, though. She, she does, but I actually think some of those early scenes, of course, um, the, the, the castle, you have these real expansive rooms yep, yep. Uh, that, that that really do a good job of showing the size of the size of the castle. Yeah. However, again, I will point out that none of these rooms even remotely resemble the rooms in the first Frankenstein movie, and we did get to see them. We did. But um, these scenes, to me, felt very modern horror to me. Like, uh, uh, look, how many horror movies have there been where you have a family and th- th- they're going to be care- 
caretakers of a hotel in Colorado, <laughs> or um, they've inherited this mansion on a hill or whatever, mm-hmm. and, and and they make the best of it. And but it's a, they're a bit creeped out by it. This film does a very good job of giving you that vibe. Yes, which kind of for a film at this time, I felt was kind of was really solid. Oh yeah, no, yeah, I liked all that. I I don't know for sure if if, if it's groundbreaking for the time, but it feels like it might have been. At the same time, there's also a creepy character kind of watching Frankenstein, the new Frankenstein, Wolf, move about the estate. Right. Which we get the sense has been largely unkept, except for the bare minimum uh, up to this point, right? Yeah, but there there are secret passages and things that nobody knows about. Absolutely. That's, I think that's kind of neat too. I, I like the idea that there were, that this place was riddled with secret history, you know? Yeah. And some of the passages even lead straight from the graveyards to the house. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of yeah. crazy, I mean, this, the implication, I didn't even think about this until you said it, but there's a lot of implications for this family by the, by this house. Now that I think about it, like the Baron, I, I don't know how much the old Baron, the old Baron uh, knew from the first film, but this is a weird place when you get down to brass tacks. It is, which almost, that might be one of the few things that actually makes you wonder if not only is, uh, is this not a sequel to Bride of Frankenstein, but you could almost say that it's the sequel to a Frankenstein movie that was never made, yeah. except except for the fact that we do have a portrait of Colin Clive on the wall, true, which looks like him. Like it, yeah. it looks really good. There are aspects to this sequel that I would not say that it's a, a a failure in continuity, but this film is not afraid to kind of um, almost almost redo and and not ignore what James Whale did, but um, but refit it to the story that they want to tell. Well, it gets away with this by setting it 30 years in the future, yeah. right? Because in many ways, do you remember, viewers may not have, I don't know if viewers have seen this, but in the movie Logan, we get the sense that a lot of what people know about the X-Men is from comic books and from things that they've read in popular literature. And Wolverine says most of that stuff that they said isn't true. And so that 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 allows us to have this kind of new vision of the, that universe, right? The right. X-Universe. Right. Right? And that sort of happens in this film because yeah. it's just in a few few lines that 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 uh that uh wolf will have when he's like i'm sure most of the things that people say around here are just hearsay how many people really saw the creature almost no one right right you know so they get to have the original continuity but they also get to throw some doubt on yeah. what happened and it's kind of a neat trick that the yeah. film pulls when does wolf get his first visit from the inspector so wolf gets to the place he starts to get settled in he and his family are kind of getting to know the new staff uh at some point he gets a, a visit from the inspector inspector Krogh, played by lionel atwill yeah I, I think that's very early on and um and the inspector shows up um and, and he comes into the home and and uh he kind of does a salute but he has to he has to move his arm because it's, and so it becomes very clear that his arm is is fake it's a false arm and the inspector is um very kind very um very unlike the other villagers yes and this is one of the things that I really like about this character and this movie is that the inspector shows up not, you know, what are you doing here? 
yeah. Baron Frankenstein. He's he's more like, look, they're not going to accept you. If you need any help, yes, I will help you. He's he and you get the sense he is genuinely wants to help him. Well, I mean, he and, he, he arrives at the. The, one of the things that he arrives to tell the insp- uh, to to tell Wolf is like I'll make sure that the villagers don't hurt you. Yeah, um, I'll protect you. Yeah, he's a ve- this in, in, Inspector Krogh is an incredibly professional, dedicated officer of the peace. Yeah, and Frankenstein is shocked that this even needs to be done. Right, and this is where we get our first conversation where the naivete smacks into reality because he and Krogh have a discussion and he's like, well, you know, I'm sure that most of the people don't even know what my father's creature did. I mean, this was nothing. This was, you know, it was all it's all hearsay and legend. I mean, who has even seen this creature? And Krogh has a story to tell. He does. And, and in fact, this is something we don't even, we never saw in films one or two. The creature, while we are very sympathetic to it, and we will be sympathetic to it even a little bit in this film, it is, it was, it was kind of a blunt creature at times, right? Right. When Krogh was a young man, he talks about how he lost his arm. The creature just stormed into my house and he talks about the struggle that his father and the creature had and how he tried to help the the the, the his dad and the creature grabs his arm yep. and yanked and that's why crow doesn't have an arm yeah and that shuts wolf up for a little bit it does and but you know you talk about crow being a, a you know a, a professional he has every reason to be even angrier than the villagers absolutely yeah absolutely and, and you're right, because he talks a little bit, too, about, like, how, you know, as a kid, I always wanted to be a, a, a general in the Army. Yeah. And, uh, of course, because I uh, lost my arm, I can't do that. Yeah. And uh, um, he does have a bit of the, uh, uh, you know, the, the great detective touch and that you know, he's very good with uh, young Peter, the, the kid. Yes, yes. Engages with the family and gets a sense. You kind of get the sense that that, that he's, he's a very good detective. Like, he's yeah. already kind of laying the groundwork in case he needs to know what's going on know who everybody is yeah. well i mean and he's a he's a we don't see much of this but he's also a highly empathetic guy he likes he likes elsa he likes the boy yeah you know um he tries to like wolf yes he does but anyway they have this uh, he, he 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 does warn wolf a little bit and uh and you're right he does interact very well with the boy which will come into play later the whole time on these old ancestral grounds wolf is increasingly drawn to the areas where his father spent most of his time yeah. he's more he's increasingly uh drawn to the old lab the old light the old windmill and yeah uh, which looks which looks a bit different it looks a bit different universal as 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 anybody who's familiar with these films uh already knows and for those who don't universal is sort of always adopted especially in this era always adopted the sort of dc comics approach to continuity quite true quite true and so there's the the frankenstein lab uh which is in disrepair it doesn't look very gothic no. this time, does it? It looks I mean, much. It looks much more Art Deco. It is not a James Whale set at all. No. Now the the countryside is is Universal Studios horror film, which isn't unique yeah. to James Whale because we see it in Wolfman, we see it in Dracula, we see it in yeah. Frankenstein. We probably see it at some point in the Mummy, though I haven't seen that film. But that's going to be on my next list. I'm sure it's in uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. You know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but that that sends but but. But this this pull towards his father's work uh, uh, and his father's stomping grounds, his father's 
haunts draw Wolf out. And that, that brings him into contact with Igor. Yes. Played by Bella Lugosi. He's, he's, he's quite delightful. Oh, he, he's he's an incredibly horrible villain. He, he is. Uh, I, I, and by saying that, I mean, he's a great villain. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, and we should pause here for a second, because at least somebody from our generation, if you stopped them in the street and said, um, you know, in the story of Frankenstein, who was Frankenstein's assistant? Ten, ten out of ten people would say Igor. They would. I would have. And, I would have before this endeavor. Okay, so there you go. Yeah. So Igor is not in the in the, in the novel. No, nope. he's not in the original film. He's not in Bride of Frankenstein. Igor was invented in this movie. Yes, absolutely. And he is he is a, a kind of hunchback with a, a damaged neck, which yes. is explained later. Yeah. This is a, this is one of the most interesting characters in the film. Oh, without a doubt. One of the most mysterious characters in the film. We understand Wolf, we understand Inspector, we understand Elsa, we understand the creature. Yes. Igor. Yes. Is a gigantic mystery. Yeah. And, and one of the things I love about Igor is he is a mystery that the town has just sort of accepted. Yeah. Um, which we'll get to in a minute. But Igor is prowling around at the same time Wolf is prowling around. He even tries to kill Wolf. Yeah. In a moment. Uh, he'll lie about why he does that. But uh, so anyway, Wolf is kind of prowling his father's grounds and he's up at the old lab and he's standing below a kind of broken area of what might have been an observatory or i don't know but it igor, looks that way yeah yeah but igor is above him kind of spying and and he's look he's by a giant rock that looks sort of precarious i was wondering if it was you know rigid set or if it was going to become an active prop but i learned that it's going to be quite an active prop because igor pushes this giant boulder off the edge and tries to kill wolf with it and wolf manages to get away in time and he almost shoots igor and he's like hey come down here i'll shoot you would have been best for Wolf if he had just blown Igor <laughs> yeah. away right in that moment. But Igor comes down and, and he's like, what did you do that for? You tried to kill me. And Igor must be a, a, a an adept of the Jedi mind trick because he's like, I tried to do that because you I thought you were going to kill me. And, and, and Wolf just accepts that. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't. My my gun is certainly frightening. I'm sorry to have frightened you, my hunchback friend. But he just believes it. Yeah. Anything you want to add to this? Does he? Does, does Igor reveal his backstory here? Um, not his backstory. Yeah. I, just the barest. You know, there's more details later. I I think. But but he um he definitely begins to kind of uh, draw Wolf on Igor. So Igor plays dumb. Yeah. A lot of times, but he is one of the smartest characters in the film. He is the yeah. most he is the most manipulative character. In yeah. He uh at some point, I can't remember when this is, but I wanna I wanna back up a little bit. At some point before we get into the real narrative of the film, we learned that there have been a lot of killings in the area, right? Yes. Necks have been broken, hearts have been burst. Nobody knows why. Right. The villagers presume it is the ghost of the creature, the ghost of, of Henry. They don't quite know, but they, they think that there's some connection to the Frankensteins. Right. But that's been going on. We're, we're going to learn why later on. Anyway, Igor sees an opportunity in Wolf and he says, right. oh, you're interested in your father's creature. I can show you. I think he says something like, I can show you the creature and he does take yeah. wolf to the creature right yes who's in a, who's in some kind of coma what, what are your thoughts on this jason i i must know well of course he takes him to the tomb mm -hmm. of henry and i assume elizabeth i don't think he looks at the other 
it. There's two. There's two kind of sarcophagi in there, and and one of them is his father. I I guess he was very focused on looking at the name on that stone because the creature is right there. Like yeah. he should have noticed the creature, right? He should. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, he then sees the creature. And, and I think that Igor, definitely, we see that Igor kind of gets the feel for how to manipulate Wolf and how to kind of slowly bring him in just by uh, by inches. You know, this is not something where he can kind of just uh, get his help right away. But he's a very different villain than Pretorius. Very much so. Well, well, we're going to discover he's really out for a long-term revenge. Now, it's interesting that you bring this up because I don't think I noticed this when I watched this, I did not realize that Frankenstein, the, I'm sorry, the creature, I, I, I still do it. I still do it. I still call the creature Frankenstein, and that's not right. I apologize to Mary Shelley. But I didn't realize that the creature was in the tomb of the father, yeah. of his father, and, you know, his father, essentially. Um, yeah. That's interesting. But in the tomb, we see that the creature's in some kind of coma, a little bit responsive, but not, yeah. not terribly. I sort of like the idea in my head. I kind of crafted this little hypothesis that his so in the first film of course he's struck by you know hundreds of bolts of lightning maybe we don't know but I got the sense in my mind at least this is what the hypothesis I I crafted that his battery was running down and he was going to need a a a recharge soon yeah yeah anyway how does how does uh Igor coax him take it away take take the take the narrative away Jason take it away from me um what, what is the next thing that happened? I mean, you were not able to take this cross from me, Jason. God damn it. Um, <laughs> um, I don't remember, but at some some point he he gets he somehow entices Wolf to pick up his father's research he, and, and he, start the creature up again to wake the creature up. I I actually think that it's oh hold on it, no, no no I I think I think it's in that moment because doesn't he because the 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 sarcophagus yes that his father's buried in says uh, maker of monsters somebody had vandalized that in. somebody had vandalized it and he and he he uses his torch uh, to to put uh instead of maker of monsters maker of men yes yes and so like in that moment it's very clear that wolf is is um he doesn't is all, he's already emotionally invested in repairing the legacy of his father he doesn't want to believe that his father was wrong he doesn't want to believe that his father was a morally bankrupt person which his father was <laughs> right and and he wants to believe the best in his father we all do right your father father was a werewolf my father was a vampire we can't always have great fun no i'm just kidding we have, we I think both Jason and i have, have fine fathers but but wolf doesn't have that luxury igor has manipulated him into turning a little bit against the narrative that the villagers have about his father you can you can change this you know you can you can show them it's basically kind of what he what he the needle that he uses against wolf and it works and they rebuild the lab which does attract the attention of igor i'm uh, not igor but Inspector Crow. Crow comes up and he's like, what's going on up here? I'm just curious. I don't I don't think anything untoward is happening. And Crow doesn't trust Wolf at all. Right. So he's, he, but he's not, there's nothing he can really do. He can just keep an eye on, on, on Wolf. And he does keep a really close eye on Wolf, doesn't he? He's not Columbo, but he does certainly ingratiate himself on the family when, whenever Wolf would like him to be somewhere else, you know? Yeah. But he recreates the creature. I mean, he revives 
revives the creature. He, re he, yeah. he revives the creature, and and I think this is the first movie where uh, because I know um, I know from some of the terrible sequels that I watched when I was a kid that um, the creature is supposed to be indestructible or immortal, and this movie does is the first to kind of suggest that it do it does start to hint at that, doesn't it? At some point, that somebody says it can't quite be killed. Um, yeah. Now I want I want to touch on Igor for a second. I don't know when we get this. At some point, we get a little bit of his backstory. And he's done some things already before the backstory that make me question what he is. Igor is phenomenally strong. Now he's, he's a blacksmith, but he's stronger than that. Igor, what was it? What were his crimes, Jason? Well, I mean, um, he was Frankenstein's assistant. He was a grave robber, right? Yeah, yeah. As punishment for this, the village, including the Burgermeister, found him guilty of crimes against graves, I guess, and right. had him hanged. His yeah. neck broke. He was pronounced dead. Yeah. And they tossed him aside. Not long after that, he's back. Yeah, he survived. And the village's response to this is priceless. They basically, and it's an enlightened response, I thought, because they were like, <laughs> and they say this in a later scene, well, look, we hung you. The doctor pronounced you dead. He's never been wrong before. <laughs> if the devil or whoever wants to bring you back, that's no business of ours. And somebody, somebody says in this scene, where we're getting his full backstory. So if he commits a crime, he can't be punished again for this. And oh no, if he does something wrong again and we catch him for it, we'll hang him again. But, right, right, right. But look, sentence has been carried out. It's not our business if he's yeah. back. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's, I, it's just, I thought it was great. It's a double jeopardy rule, yeah. Well, I mean, like, and, and what I think is amazing is that the village is like, there's a guy who rose from the dead over there. That's Igor. He's, he rose from the dead. We don't know why. <laughs> but he's back. Hey, Igor. They're they're pretty cool with it. And I just think that's great. Now, yeah. do you now do you think that Wolf, his excitement at uh, resurrecting the creature, that he begins to channel his father and begins to kind of, because he's hiding this from everybody, or he's trying to. Oh, he is trying to, yeah. Well, it does seem like he, he is susceptible to the old obsession. Yeah, well, and and actually, I think Basil Rathbone is really good in this movie in kind of portraying the anxiety of somebody who is trying to carry out something but doesn't want anybody to know about it. Indeed, indeed. And, I mean, it's, it's I mean, I know it, maybe fans, will, fans, I, I, fans of our show may write in and say this is a crazy comparison, but it is, his, his paranoia is very Macbethish. Yes. You know, yes, it is. He's he's trying to hide everything bad that he's doing because he knows it's bad, and that's the difference between he and and his father Henry. Yeah, Wolf knows that he's doing something wrong. He doesn't. Mm -hmm. I don't think he ever wants to believe that he's doing something wrong. But things get out of Wolf's hands very quickly. Things get beyond his ability to control them. He yeah, realizes he ends up realizing far too late that he's been manipulated. He yeah. he ends up realizing far too late that the creature isn't necessarily bad but it is easy to control and that igor knows how to do it exactly and so wolf revives the creature and the killings start again yes and what we learn in this in this in this in the scene is that basically not in the scene i, I i'm sorry I'm, I'm drunk but um in, in these sequences in this in this next sequence is that igor has befriended the very needy creature long ago and he's realized that he can tell the creature to do his business and the creature for friendship will do that bidding. The first killing that we get though, after the creature is revived, nobody in the village likes Igor, even though they tolerate his resurrection. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, somebody is being
being tasked to take some things out of the village. And uh, this villager in a wagon, like, uh, is leaving the town. This is post-revival uh, of, of the creature. The villager, this villager in a wagon is leaving the town, and he sees Igor, and he spits in Igor's direction. Yeah. And Igor's like, oh, I see. And he plays his flute, which is kind of the cue for the creature. And basically, he sicks the creature on this guy. Yeah. Who just spit at him. Yeah. Didn't spit on him. Spit 20 or 30 feet away from him. Right. And the guy's leaving the village in a wagon, and the creature grabs the guy, breaks his neck, throws him under the wagon after, you know, uh, after uh, after killing the guy, and then sends the horses on the way, and the guy is crushed under the wagon. So the creature is hiding its murder. Right, right. Looks like an accident. And that's the first of many murders in the film that the creature will commit at the at the bidding of Igor. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, well no, I mean, you know, something else about Igor that probably needs to be mentioned, because... Um... Um, I mean, as you said, that the people of the town do know that Igor's around, and there, you know, there's a couple of cool scenes where the kid, you know, the, the kids of the town, you know, the, the film kind of illustrates that uh, they're afraid of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Igor will be playing his instrument, you know, in the, the the upper window of where he's living, and 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 there's something kind of classic horror about that. You know, mm-hmm. the the weird guy in the town that everyone that everyone's afraid of because he, you know, he's doing kind of heinous shit, yeah. and in this case, he absolutely is. Yeah, but. Oh, I wanted to also say, though, that, too, like, Igor seems to have some kind of superhuman strength. Yeah. A little bit. Because he moves things that people, like, that that will see um, a secret door of stone. Igor moves it pretty easily. Yeah. uh, And the creature moves it even easier than than Igor. Yeah. Yeah. But Wolf is almost unable to move this same door by himself. Right. Igor is stronger than the average human, and the creature is much stronger than, than Igor, even. Because something that Igor will move with two hands earlier in the film uh, the creature just moves with one hand right right so anyway we get a hierarchy not that this comes up but but i want i want to kind of just highlight how strange igor is i think he's some kind of supernatural character the film never says it right but his neck was clearly broken we see igor even like high he likes to show off his yeah. broken neck he shows like how some of the vertebrae are sticking out you know so well i, I have to ask you you know um when we did the wolfman we both kind of agreed neither of us having seen this film that Bela Lugosi's best performance was as Bela in uh, in The Wolfman did performance in this film cause you to revise that opinion I I think it has to be re- revised because Bela has a very Bela is a supporting actor so yeah. in, in in Wolfman in this he is a co-star and yes. and he's in a lot of scenes I mean he has a lot more screen time than he did as Bela and and, and he holds his own he's amazing in this movie Bela Lugosi is a amazing in this movie he's i think gr- he's an amazing villain horrible he's a he's a horrible horrible person he's <laughs> awful and it's interesting too because you said in the previous podcast uh well, no, I, two podcasts ago on frankenstein bella lugosi balked so much about them he was gonna for people who didn't hear that episode or people who forgot um it was a long time ago when jason and i say a lot of brilliant shit uh so but in the in in the original production of frankenstein bella lugosi was gonna play the creature but he hated the he hated the makeup he didn't want to be in the makeup he didn't want to be a, a circus performer he wanted to be he was a star in his country i guess and he wanted to be a star all, everywhere but by 1939 the roles were really drying up for bella lugosi mm-hmm. um in a way that they didn't dry up for anybody else in this horror scene Boris right. Karloff, even though he was a late bloomer by many accounts in he became a star with frankenstein he was it was 1944 i'm sorry he was 
was 44 when yeah. he became a star, right? Yeah. But Bela Lugosi's roles were drying up. And I don't know why that is exactly because we've seen now two movies where he's really quite good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could just be because he's a bit of a, uh, a prima donna, a diva, and people didn't want to work with him. You know, sometimes people shoot themselves in the foot that way. But he's very good in this movie. I can't... Yes, he is. I can't... Sing his praises enough. Yeah, and, and so because there's even a scene where they call him in for questioning, right? Well, well, absolutely, because the killings have started up again. Before, I'm sorry, before the creature went into his coma, several people who pronounced him guilty and had him hung have died in this mysterious death where their where their hearts burst. So there was some other telling factor in the uh, that, that was found in the autopsies. But several of the people who pronounced him guilty were dead before the creature went into a coma, and after the creature went into a coma the killing stopped but they're questioning him when the killing start again yeah because um, they think he's they think he's somehow involved yeah he, has, he does this nice he has this, a great scene where he's uh he's really needling all the people who are questioning him yeah and uh was, i couldn't do it i mean look i've got this broken neck i couldn't i was <laughs> i was over there i couldn't do it um uh, but he's, he's also one of the things that's really nice about this scene is he's really delighting in their fear yes but so they're trying to get information about whether the creature is around they 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 think either he igor is responsible or they think the creature's back and of course the igor's not talking yeah no i mean um he's he's playing them like a fiddle yes you know like he um, plays everybody in the movie yeah and uh, uh he's just he's just very gleeful about the whole thing because he really knows there's nothing that any of them can do igor understands how powerful the creature actually is and yeah. he knows that he knows that baron frankenstein does not understand that either no that he's the only person that's that's ever kind of cracked code so to speak. well and and the way he's cracked it is by really ingratiating himself yeah. onto the creature. Oh, my friend, my friend. He's always he talking get, about how, how great a friend he is to the creature and how much he, he is the friend of the creature. He has given the creature everything that creature always wanted. Absolutely. And, and, we, and we understand that because we've been following the creature through two films. So we get that. Baron Frankenstein does not. Yeah. The villagers do not. None of them have that information. No. As, as the film is like racing and this is another fairly fast-paced film it's the longest of our three films i think yeah as it's racing towards its conclusion the villagers just assume that the creature's back and that that wolf has had something to do with it and they try and storm his 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 estate and yeah. luckily the inspector is is ahead of the curve and he has people to block the the villagers but he does think that that wolf knows something yeah he, he's he's very suspicious at this point and and, and wolf is full of anxiety at this point well, Wolf is doing himself no favors. Wolf, it's interesting. What I, one of the things I get from these early interrogation scenes with Inspector von uh, Krog and Wolf is that I get the sense that if Wolf had come clean early, yeah, that Wolf would have been more than happy to help him out. The, the inspector, you mean? I'm sorry, the inspector would have been more than happy to help him out. You know, if he said, Look, I, this guy said that, that the creature was in a coma. I wanted to prove that my father wasn't a crackpot and I, I helped out. I didn't realize that he was going to loose the creature on the people he hated in the village because that's 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 Igor's MO he gets the creature to kill people he hates right and I get the sense that if Wolf had just come clean Krog would have helped him wanted to help but, him yeah, wanted but to Wolf, help him but Wolf at this point is starting to channel his dad he really is yeah he's, he's sarcastic when he has no business being yeah he, he tries to make he tries to mock the villagers concerns when the villagers are right <laughs> right oh I suppose you'll say that I that I reawakened the creature now. Ha 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 ho you know 
but he has. And I yeah. think Victor Krogh knows it. He doesn't want it to be true. Uh, because because while I don't think that Krogh ever really liked Wolf, he does like Elsa. He does like the boy. Right. And so, and Elsa keeps having the inspector by. Yeah. Elsa likes having the inspector over. The inspector is so nice. And the inspector uh, starts making excuses to be at the Frankenstein estate because he knows something's up. And he's trying to find clues, right? He's over for dinner a lot. He's always trying to get little information. But the closing in on the last time he's over there for dinner while he's over there for while he's at dinner trying to get information there's another murder after the village after the stagecoach i'm sorry after the coach guy gets killed and it's i think it's the last of the people who were on the on igor's jury right yeah which is it's the burgermeister i believe yes yes there are a few deaths of the of the jury and the burgermeister is the last one i think and he's killed not graphically but we see it sort of happen in shadow like we see frankenstein's shadow crush the burgermeister and that's the end of the burgermeister the baron the old baron might have really endorsed that He didn't like the Burgermeister very much. Oh, by the way, um, I don't know if you noticed this, but one of the actors who uh, was in the courtroom was the same actor that played Maria's father in the first film. Oh, really? Yeah. Not playing the same character, obviously, because that character played by somebody else was killed in the second film. Gotcha. Well, somebody we haven't mentioned, and he's not a huge, he doesn't have a lot of speaking parts, but he is in the film quite a bit, is Wolf's assistant, another doctor who kind of seems to tag along or nurse or something. Who helps, yeah. who helps him bring back the creature, who helps him revive the creature and take care of the creature. Right, right. Um, it's his murder that really starts to put the, his disappearance puts Krog on the, on the really on the alert. Yes. We've had the murder of a villager, we've had the murder of a juror, we've had the murder of, a, of the burgermeister, and now we've had the disappearance of, of Wolf's assistant. Now, Wolf has, can have no doubt what has happened to his assistant. Yes. That's the thing that, that moves Wolf firmly into the moral sphere of his father. Yeah, because because Wolf had originally told Igor that his assistant, oh, well, he won't say anything to anybody. And and Igor, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take that chance. Well, but what Igor says is, no, he won't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but here's where Igor misses the, the boat a bit, is that the creature is cool with anybody who will be his friend. Yeah. And he's made another friend in the house, and that friend is the Here. son of Frank. Frankenstein, uh, yeah. the son of the new Frankenstein, Wolf's son, and he bops in to visit. He bops in to visit the boy all the time. Yeah, and that's the that is the that's the clue that the inspector's been hunting for and that's how the inspector discovers all the secret passages yeah that's how he, that's how he ends up cracking the case yes but just to go back uh to the murder of frankenstein's assistant that's kind of the the the, the moment when he's you know when he tells him that you know well don't worry he won't say anything and as you said igor's like no he won't and we know what igor's plan is but at that point wolf frankenstein sees igor as an accomplice yes he thinks that he he's still sees them as partners and that's the moral failure of frankenstein that at this point he's still trying to hide everything and he sees igor as an ally yeah yeah Yeah. and and igor isn't an ally Ever. No, never was. No, no. Something takes the inspector away, but in the climax, he ends up coming back. So I'm sorry, I, I've forgotten. When does when does the confrontation between Igor and Frankenstein happen? Uh, very soon, because um, once once Frankenstein discovers that all these murders are taking place, um, that's when he confronts Igor. Because uh, doesn't he figure out that the horn? The, the, he figures out that Igor somehow controls the creature. Yeah, and I'm. 
mean, there's the um, there's also the dinner yeah. where um, Frankenstein starts to realize what's what's really going on, Got it. but then tries to hide it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and that and that's one of the reasons why I think that as, as charming as Basil Rathbone is in the role, and as much as you want to like him, I, I I find that he is as morally bankrupt as his father, and in, in many many ways, almost as morally bankrupt as his father. Yeah, um, he's not quite that bad, but he is pretty bad. He's not the kind of guy who would actively uh start an evil enterprise right but once in he's not he's not he's not going to be the first guy to go to the authorities uh well at least in this case because i mean let's remember that when he showed up to take over the castle and become the baron uh he did want to defend the legacy of his father but he didn't come here to resurrect a creature or make a creature oh no no not at all he he did not expect any of this igor took advantage of his motivation and his motivation was out of love of his dead father and then once he started down that path the the, the moral failing of wolf frankenstein uh, von frankenstein is this is where he is like his father now i gotta cover it up yeah you know now i don't want people to know about this i don't want anyone to die yeah but i also don't want to take any responsibility for it no it's true but he has a confrontation with igor igor is clearly somebody who's going to physically overmatch him but mm-hmm. igor unlike the creature, is certainly susceptible to gunfire. Yes, he is. And in the process of their confrontation, Igor gets gunned down. Yes. And I think that Wolf thought that might be the end of it. Yeah. But he left the body laying in the lab. Yeah. When he had a giant uh, pit of frothing sulfur that he could have <laughs> tossed him into, which was at the at the bottom of the lab. This is a strange lab over a strange geological feature. But anyway, there's this bubbling frothing sulfurish pit that is at a high temperature um we learned that it could melt or uh, could parboil anybody and turn them into you know roast it would fry the skin off their bones when we're getting this uh this uh uh the the stats on this frothing pit of sulfur right right the thing i said was somebody is going into this pit at the end of the movie is what i said to myself yeah, um, yeah. and i was right which leads us to the the creature finds sorry this begins the, the death of igor leads to the final the final battle which is a is a really fun uh climax that that has the inspector and wolf figuring out what they need to where they need to be to have a confrontation with the creature the creature is mad when he finds the dead body of his friend who the creature of course doesn't understand this either igor is friends with no one the, igor didn't like the creature i don't think he used yeah. him like he used he, he used him like he would use anybody he used him Correct. like he used the flute. It's just a tool to achieve what Igor wants. Yes. And, but the creature doesn't know that. Friend. You know, that's what he thinks of Igor. Even though the creature does not speak in this film. No, no, he doesn't. But we, we, we from the earlier films, we know that this is his his, uh, his driving his driving force, his driving reason uh, for being. Since he's lost his friend, he's going to try and take things from Wolf. And the right. thing that he's going to try and take is his, son. is his son. And he takes the boy out of his house down the secret passage and they 
stop for a moment at the boiling sulfur pit and Frankens and the creature picks him up and we think he's going to throw the boy in and then he puts the boy on the ladder. It's a really nice bit of tension and the boy goes up and I get the sense from this that the creature is struggling with this decision. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to hurt Wolf and the the easiest way to hurt Wolf is to throw the boy into the boiling mud or uh, right. whatever it is. But I get the sense that the creature doesn't really want to want to do that because he's friends. Well, with I mean, it, well, because it's it's all been off screen, but he's he's friends with the boy yeah. because the boy has reported this several times. Yeah. Yeah. And it it was also really, in earlier scenes we haven't really touched on it, but it's really interesting. It's really great the way in, the Inspector Krog draws that out of the boy. Oh, a giant. Yeah. It's quite interesting. How big yeah. was he? Was he this big? Was he that big? And uh, is I mean, it's, it's not like I said. It's it's early Columbo. It's it's you know it's the, it's that yeah. classic movie detective. But anyway, he knows what's going on. He finds that the boy is missing. He knows about the secret passage. Crow goes up the way the boy and the creature went up to the lab. Wolf is going to the lab through the woods, and they right. both arrive to confront the creature at the same time. I think Inspector Crow gets there first, and he has his confrontation with the creature, mm-hmm. and he saves the boy. The creature's getting ready to throw the the boy in, I think, and Krog has a fight with him and the creature recreating their interaction yeah. when they were kids the creature grabs Krog's arm and rips it out and Krog pulls away and he rips it off but it's the it's the arm that's already been ripped off and Krog shoots him a couple times it hurts the creature creature isn't happy creature's gonna go ahead and kill the boy he moves back to the boy and at that point Wolf has arrived and he swings on the chains and kicks the creature into the off the off the balcony OSHA standards be damned there is no guardrails so the creature goes flying into the pit to be parboiled he sinks down and gives a, a final thumbs up before he goes underneath I, I, I have to think that, uh, that James Cameron has watched The Son of Frankenstein many times um, but yeah I, I thought of that scene from Terminator 2 immediately when when Frankenstein was when the creature was sinking into the molten molten now I, I you know I have to say and, and you were quite right you know the bit of tension when it looks like he's going to throw the boy into the which was like wow a child like yeah that's pretty intense and but i mean even when wolf swings in on the rope and kicks the creature like that's that's a pretty good action scene oh it's I, great I, yeah, I, I, yeah. Love, I love the whole final confrontation i think the fight between uh inspector krog and and the creature is quite good you know yeah 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 um, like it is in many ways uh a kind of nice circularity in their confrontation krog gets to to have his rematch i guess yeah you know, yeah. with the creature that took his arm, it's it's a nice moment that it had to be that I think Krog would find quite. I, I I have to imagine it was quite cathartic for him. You know, right, right, and right. He gets to participate in the destruction of the creature that I think killed his parents and took his I, arm. Yeah, yeah. Wolf, you know, gets to banish his father's sins. We think, though, there are seven of these films <laughs> into the uh, into the pit. You know, into hell, into the flaming pit. Right. Mm-hmm. Then, so so that's not the end of the movie. The end of the movie is Wolf deeding the lands to the villagers to do with as they will and promising never to return, you know, and uh, not serving a single day in a Bavarian jail ever. Um, yeah, well, and I guess he finally gets gets the acceptance of the villagers. The villagers we- are happy to see the back of Wolf Frankenstein, you know. Yeah. Um, now, I, I think I think Elsa and the boy Peter, is that his name? Yeah. Uh, could have stayed and the villagers would have been happy, but, but Wolf never should should set foot yeah. in, 
in the village again. Anything you want to add to this before we hit the verdict? No, I'm ready for the verdict. Um, before we get to the verdict, I want to say that continuing with our theme for these films, by 1939, let's see here, who was the director of this movie? Uh, that would be... Roland W. Lee. V.W. I'm sorry, Roland V. Roland V. Lee. This film is cinema, the cinematography of the film and the lighting the, and the production design are amazing. I agree. I think every set in this film, and I, I'm pretty sure this was all predominantly sets, is really well made. Uh, it's it's uh, The production values are great and the set design is great. Uh, even the new creature design is kind of nice. Frankenstein, uh, the creature, I'm sorry, the creature prior to this is just worn a black outfit, blocky shoes. In this one, we get the sense that the creature has been living off the land for a long time. He's got like yeah. a, a sheepskin vest and and the sheepskin vest Frankenstein is also its own iconic image. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, it's 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 not the go-to image of Frankenstein, but it's got to be number two. Well, you know, actually, there's a lot of things about this film that are very iconic, and people don't know that they even come from this film. I mean, one of the things uh, I think everyone has seen uh, Mel Brooks' Young Frankenstein, mm -hmm. which is primarily a spoof of this movie. Yeah, and. Uh, Bride as well. Bits of Bride, no doubt about that, and, and bits of the original. But in terms of the actual plot of Frankenstein's son returning to Castle Frankenstein, not really wanting to follow his father's legacy, but then suddenly he does. And you know, the professor, I mean, right down to the to the, the wooden arm yeah, and the yeah. dartboard yeah. and and then all of that stuff. This is a very iconic film that actually I think and and then I mentioned earlier about Igor. And the fact yes. that Igor is the character that everyone thinks of, and Igor is not in the novel, and he's not in the original film. This movie is is kind of an iconic movie that is no longer iconic. People don't watch it and don't realize just how influential this movie actually is on how they perceive Frankenstein. Well, that's absolutely right. I mean, it's it's I, it is the influence on popular culture that people don't realize that it is. You right, know? and the verdict. This is my favorite Frankenstein film. <laughs> I loved this movie from start to finish. I could not get enough of it. I, I, of course I was bothered by the fact that, 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 that Wolf uh, receives no comeuppance, gets no jail time, but, but there's a minor complaint. This is a glorious film to watch. It's a complex story. It's a kind of whodunit. It embraces the, every concept, makes none of the mistakes steps of bride and really expands a lot on the ideas of the original 1931 film it's got a great it's got a, at least a serviceable score i liked it quite a lot but boy what a joy this film is this is fun this is a fun film yes yeah that's my verdict i love this movie it's my it's my favorite frankenstein movie um you almost stole my thunder i i i considered oh, that verdict i considered that verdict myself um because i uh in in fact, there, there were more than a few times in watching this movie that I said to myself, God, I'm having a lot of fun with this. This is this is really, really fun. Uh, uh, you know, the film made me uh, smile quite a bit. I, I, I just really, really got into it. I loved the cast. I think that um, Bela Lugosi is the best villain uh, of the series. I, I agree with you that the score was, um, was quite effective. I actually noticed it more than I did um, the score for Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, in watching it, but I think that's because the 
intention and the action. And uh, and you mentioned the, you know, kind of the mystery elements and the dramatic elements. This film operates on a lot of different levels, as you said, and uh, succeeds at all of them yeah. as just a really solid film. This movie was released in 1939, which many film buffs think is, you know, the greatest year for films ever. And certainly this film qualifies. It also it works very well as a horror film. Not that it's, I mean... We talked about the, the the areas of tension, but there are little moments, like I, I mentioned, where they first come to the castle and they're kind of unnerved by the fact they're living in this medieval setting, and you know, but they're trying to have dinners and so forth. But you know, you know, you know, there's there's this evil that's been going on that that's kind of in the family. There's almost kind of this Edgar Allan Poe kind of feel to it that is just really, really fantastic. It's just all really well done. I almost pulled the trigger and said this was my favorite. I still in terms of the universal films would defer to the original Frankenstein uh, in terms of being the best, just because I think that that film was just so groundbreaking uh, and thematic. But boy, I, I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. I, I, I really, I really, really enjoyed it. If you actually... If you backed me into a corner and said, hey, let's watch a Frankenstein movie from the old Universal canon, which one do you want to watch? I would probably pick this one. I think I think that's right. It's sort of like Terminator 2 in that way. Yeah. Which, I, I mean, I didn't expect to like this one even as much as uh, Bride of Frankenstein, you know? Neither did I. Because it's the third film in a series, and that's generally not a good sign for a series to have a third. You know, the third film is generally the is is almost certainly the weakest in most films. But I, yeah. don't, I don't think you can say that about son of frankenstein so you know it, so uh is this the most underrated third sequel third it, film ever it, it has to be yeah. i think it has to be i'm you know maybe in this journey in this podcast journey we'll discover a uh, another one but no i don't think so i think this is the most underrated film it's the most underappreciated i think it's certainly as you alluded to earlier it's the most underappreciated for what it's done to the popular culture yeah uh, no totally so um, and, and and uh this i don't think we mentioned this this is boris karloff's last performance ah, as the creature well gosh he's almost 50 at the time right he's yeah and uh but, but he just he, he he did not want to do it again he was asked uh but he he never did do it again lon cheney takes up the the uh, bolts next doesn't he i believe so yes launching jr i mean to say launching jr takes up the bolts and bella lugosi returns oh does he yeah well as igor yes oh wow well i mean that goes he's not dead him. after all not dead after all <laughs> well that's that's pretty that's pretty cool i might I, i've got all I, so I, I bought these uh universal has like a seven film set of these movies i i, I told you about that audience yeah. i don't know you can find this on amazon.com it's the kind of commemorative set and it has all all of the Frankenstein films, including me, including Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. So I have them all. I might watch that just to see what happens. I I'm not sure I buy Lon Chaney Jr. in the role. Yeah, uh, let me know. I, I mean, know. Um, I don't know when I'm going to get around to it. What are we doing next, Jason? I believe it's your turn. Oh, is it my turn? Okay. So apparently, Jason's gotten some uh, complaints about our content and. That's people an exaggeration. Think need, people think we need to get out of horror, comic books, and science fiction for a moment and do something a bit more serious. Um, so, or just something different, yeah. right? Yeah. Comic, 
uh, yeah. away from that. Let me see here. Luckily, I can edit out the pauses. Well, what about the Royal Tenenbaums? Oh, what a great choice. Um, okay. So there it is, audience. The Royal Tenenbaums by Wes Anderson. Um, so share us with your friends, share us on social media, on the Facebooks, on the Twitters, on the Instagrams, on the TikToks, if you can do that there. Um <laughs> Whatever, guys. Uh, email us to your mom. Um, and uh, email me, uh, or Jason, eventually, <laughs> at lordmovers39 at gmail.com. Contact us on uh, the comments at Podbean. I'll try and get us on Amazon and some other platforms as well, eventually, but I haven't got us uh, formatted right for those yet. But yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, go see these Frankenstein movies. Anything you gotta add? No, I agree. Alright, bye-bye. Bye. I was, I was on the edge of my seat.